The following is a presentation of Uninterrupted Canada. Welcome to the Benny and Bo Show with your hosts, Ben Hebert and Bo Levi Mitchell. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the fourth episode of the Benny and Bo Show. Ooh, I got some nerve. I don't think I've ever been nervous for a show, but man, I've got a hero on today. Single game betting has been legalized. Okay, so make sure you jump on DraftKings.com. Go sign up. You're not going to want to miss that. We normally like to kick things off at the start of the show. What we've been up to the last couple weeks, what's been going on in the world of sports. No time. We don't got time for that. I know Bo wants to talk about it because he beat me in golf for the first time like in like two months. But hey, we're, we're scrapping that this week. Oh, how convenient. Of course, very, has, of course, he doesn't want to talk about it. And here's why we're scrapping it. We got two interviews this show. Unbelievable. We're calling this Goat Week on the show. We got Kyle Lowry, who's coming up later in the show. The best Toronto Raptor of all time. But out of the gates, my CFL hero. No offense. I watched this guy my whole career as a rider, as he drummed up my Saskatchewan Rough Riders his whole life, right? Ladies and gentlemen, how are these for accolades? Heisman Trophy winner, three-time Great Cup champion, Six-time most outstanding player. Six out of eight years. Give me a break. Give me a damn break. Okay. NFL Pro Bowler. The first non-Canadian inducted into the Canadian Hall of Fame. Gotta love that. Ladies and gentlemen, the greatest player to ever play in the CFL, Doug Flutie. Welcome to the Benny and Bo podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. It's really cool to be talking to you guys and talking uh, some CFL stuff and uh, very fond memories, and it's it's fun to hear some of that stuff because uh, they were special days for me. I had a blast. Right on, Doug. Hey, I want to get you get uh, familiar with our your Canadian fans right now and let everyone know. I know you're a busy guy. I was looking you up on your your Instagram and and everything that you're doing. Why don't you let everyone know what Doug Flutie's up to? What keeps him busy these days? Uh, you know, when when COVID hit, you started doing a lot more stuff from home. So I started my own podcast from home, which has been going great. We're taking a break right now. Starts back up again and in uh, august that's flutie flakes cast um the flutie flakes cast check it out ladies <laughs> and gentlemen check it out still, still have uh the foundation going 100 miles an hour and i still work for nbc i do a little bit of college football but you know what and i, I learned my le- it's like with with COVID and doing all the zoom stuff it's like i don't want to travel anymore so i've really really cut back on that stuff and, and trying to do stuff from home and um other than that i'm a 10 year old kid I play the drums. My band's coming down next week. We're playing a bunch of gigs. Uh, I surf every morning. I play adult league baseball. I played a doubleheader last night in hockey. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just, I can't help myself. And I was up early with the lifeguards this morning doing our workout at the beach because lifeguard competition's coming up in about three weeks. The life, the lifeguard competition. God. Hey, hey, Doug, uh, you, mentioned the, uh, you mentioned your charity. Why don't you uh, let the people know what the charity is and how they can, how they can help? Flutie uh, Fellowship. FlutieFoundation.org, first off the top. Doug Flutie Jr. Foundation for Autism. We've had it for 23 years. Um, we provide services for families, try to take some of the burden off the, off the parents and um, start up schools, start up camps, start up any kind of services possible for the kids. And you know, autism in general, when we started 23 years ago, we started this, uh, maybe one in 2,500 kids, one in 3,000 kids had autism. Now, one in 55 kids, one out of every 55 kids. So the numbers have just skyrocketed over the last 20 years. And um, there's a whole generation of kids now that are becoming adult. So there's a a lot more issues like assisted living and potential work. And uh, 
you know, let, letting the kids grow up and, and live independent lives and, um, you know, feel good about themselves, have a sense of pride. Man, well, anything I can ever do to help, you know, I'm on board. Uh, I, I do my own as well. And, uh, all I know is, um, you know, the work that's put in behind the scenes, uh, good on you. Cause, uh, I know it takes a lot of time and obviously very, very close to the heart for you. Yeah. And that, you know, and it's, you know, what's amazing is for me, it's my son and that's what initiated it. And we were all in and I can understand, you know, that's not that it's easy all the time, but it's easy to understand. What's amazing is once you get involved in charity work, how many people are just giving of their time and money and effort and have no connection at all. You know, those are the people that absolutely amaze me. We have um, one of the guys on our board just hosted a, a big event at his house for us. And, you know, he's, he's just a doctor friend of mine that, that loves helping people. So there's just some great people out there. Oh, man, it is. It's so amazing how uh, people will just message you and say, hey, listen, I don't, I don't have a dollar to my name, but I'll give you all the time in the world and I'll do whatever I can to help. So uh, to all the people out there that do do that, help with the volunteering, thank you guys so much. Um, Doug, I got to ask you. So, time out, time out, time uh -oh. out. I had the wrong game. There, it is. there it is. <laughs> he knows, he knows. Hey, we're learning from you, man. We're learning from you. Hey, so it's been 21 months. CFL football is finally back. I think we're the only uh, sports league in North America not to play last year. Um, how excited are you to see uh, some CFL football back? I, I love, you know, I, I'm not totally attached all the time and seeing they, but I, when it's on and I'm flipping stations, I stop and I watch a game. NFL game, I'll flip it on and watch a quarter here, a couple of series, whatever. Um, anytime an NFL game or CFL game's on and I flip it on, I'm locked in. And I'm texting people. I'm texting Dickie. I'm texting Huff. Uh, it's like pinball still a good friend over in Toronto. So I love watching CFL football. It was a special time of my life. And uh, the friendships that I have from those days – last forever so i'm very thankful it's back you know for for no other reason just being selfish for my legacy i didn't want anything to happen to the cfl right you want to see it continue on um and and the cfl is so dependent on uh ticket sales and people in the seats it, it's hard to imagine they could have played and not had fans it just would have been you know they would have been bankrupt by the end of the year so it it just um it was a necessary evil to sit out last year for the CFL. I'm just so thankful they're back. Yeah, well, so you kind of alluded to it. Um, you know, you have the greatest legacy ever when it comes to Canadian football. And um, what you alluded to was not seeing that legacy go away. And I think what you're kind of uh, hinting at is the talks about out there about the CFL-XFL merger. So I, mm -hmm. I have given my opinion on this. Uh, ben, ben told me he's also seen what, what your opinion is, is on this. But I would love to kind of dive into this because uh, – to set it up for you, the reason I believe a CFL-XFL merger could be a good thing is because um, I think we'll agree on this one point. The CFL needs to find a way to grow the game. There's a generation there we skipped out on um, that we're missing a lot of the younger fans, and, and we need flutie-like players that, that bring every single age fan to the game. But we have to market those players as well. So when I see Dwayne Johnson, uh, one of the biggest names out there in entertainment, buy the XFL, and he's going to put his money back that my first initial thought is, okay, if we do align with, with this league, can he bring in a guy like Drake on the Canadian side, someone who is very big into Toronto Raptors, very big into sports, who would love to put his name to something um, and own a league? Is there a possibility there? Do you see that changing the game at all? Do you see that as a way to grow the game? Or are you CFL only, never, never change it, uh, keep it the way it's always been? 
I see bringing in those big names um, to engage the younger fan, to hear those names involved, to hear The Rock involved, to hear Drake involved. Yeah, they'd love that. They'd be a part of it. And then you've got a good financial backing that can support it for a while and, and get it, grow the game. Um, my fear is the loss of the CFL game, the, the uniqueness of it. I love the three down football, the wider field and all that. I don't Absolutely. want Canadian teams to end up turning into playing American football. Um, I'd love to see it stay the way it is. My years in the CFL were um, mostly the 90s. Iconic. And we ran, we started spread offenses, empty backfields, quarterback running the ball, quarterback designer. Damon Allen started. Damon Allen would take the ball, stick it in the belly of his running back. Or at a, you run all this, you run game out of gun. So if the defensive end chased, you'd pull it and run a naked bootleg. I give Damon Allen full credit for starting his own read stuff because he started doing it. So I started doing it. Then I added a pass pattern out of it. And then it just, it wasn't like written in a playbook. It was kind of wheeling and dealing and figuring it out. But what my point is, all in the dirt. Our, our, stuff, RPO. Yeah. All the RPO game and all that stuff started in those days in the CFL. And then the NFL sees something working and they bring it to their game. We have been the innovators in football in the CFL for a long time. 100%. We tried two-point conversion, you know, things that they steal from us all the time. Um, and I, I, I love the uniqueness of the game, and I don't want to lose that. The other aspect of a successful league is uh, the fan base, like the, the attachment to your team. The CFL has been around so long, teams in Saskatchewan, teams in Winnipeg, Calgary, when you start up new leagues and they just have teams in newer cities, there's no attachment yet. It's just, oh, yeah, there's a football game. They're playing over at the high school stadium. I don't know. whatever. And so that, that's what's so important is the, the history, the, the fact that the fans have that attachment to these teams. So it's funny you say that about the RPO because the NFL, they are not going to try anything until it's proven. The CFL, they'll try some risky stuff and something they think worked and the NFL picks oh, it yeah. up. But Doug, I want to I want to take you back here. So you go to Boston College. I, I saw something you said that was your only college offer. You absolutely light it up there. Your first contract, you sign a big deal, highest paid player ever in the USFL. Then you that league folds. You go to the NFL for a few years, and then you up end up in Canada for a good portion of your career. Eight years of dominance. How did you originally hear about the CFL, and how did you get to come up to Canada and play? How did that all shake out? Initially, well, I do remember in the 70s when I was just a little kid, uh, there was an NFL strike or something and some CFL games. I was probably 12 years old, 10 years old. CFL games, Joe Theismann days, were on TV and I watched it and I loved the game. I, I just really liked it. That was now fast forward to the end of my college career. Um, there were some back, what I considered backhanded compliments. And that was, oh, Doug Flutie would make a, a good CFL quarterback, right? As if I, couldn't play in the NFL, but I could do that. So that kind of ticked me off. Then I became labeled as a backup in the NFL. I was there for five years. I had a couple of situations that, yeah, I could have gone into camp, but it didn't look promising. And British Columbia came knocking. And I just flew up to check it out. I really hadn't anticipated signing, but I went up and I went to, to the camp and the guys were already in training camp. Mark Gastineau year that, that he was in British Columbia. Um, and hung out for a day or two with the guys and got excited. You know, it wasn't like, and I always say this about the CFL player, they're every bit as fast, as talented, as athletic 
a lot of times it's a smaller guy. It's not the six foot three receiver. Yeah. It's the five eleven receiver. Smaller, so unproven, smaller who they played. Yeah. But the talent level was great, and I loved the game. And I wound up signing, and and then I even thought then I'll just sign a two year deal. I'll play because I wanted to be on the field. I didn't want to be somebody's backup sitting there watching. So I, I came to CFL basically to be a starter and play. And then I started loving the game. And every time my contract came up, I re-signed and, you know, signed over in Calgary and then signed over in Toronto and stayed in the league for eight years. Well, I mean, it was, it's a huge thing to do because, uh, you know, I, I had my tryouts down there. So I, obviously I got to kind of, I, you always hear about the business side of the NFL and understanding it and understanding that like once you get up there like you're just a name you're a position you're a guy um and kind of like finding that out but the thing the difference is in the nfl and you know this more than anybody is in the nfl they want you to conform to their offense to what they do because this is proven this is the way they do things um in the cfl there you got here and they're like doug do what doug flutie does i don't need you to be a pocket passer i don't care if you turn around and, and which, by the way, is still miraculous to me, that you would take the snap, turn around, and run five yards backwards, and then turn back around to show yourself to the defense. Um, it was do what Doug Flutie does, which is be a playmaker. I mean, that's, to me, when I watch that film, that's where I'm like, that's the CFL. Did they force you not to run? Well, so, they, you know, it's a different CFL. <laughs> in, order, in order to make the team, you have to prove to them in the NFL, you can do it their way. Mm-hmm. You could stand in the pocket, hit that back foot, it's out, the rhythm throws. I was a very good rhythm thrower. Three-step, five-step, bang it right out of the break. My biggest issue was when one to two wasn't there front side, and I had to come back side, and I, then it looked like this. Yeah. Then it was a wall. So that. a lot of times I'd go one, two, and move towards number three, whether it's the check down or the back side to find a window to get that guy the ball and get through your progression. And the other – so – when you played in the NFL, you had to prove to them you knew the X and O end of it. You knew your hot reads. You knew your protections. You check protections and all that. And then you get the opportunity to get on the field. Once I was on the field, I just played. You know, you just compete and play. I, I remember, I remember games knowing I'm going to throw the backside in because it's covered two and the front side is dead, and still putting my eyes out there front side because I knew on Monday I'm going to critique. On whether I have my eyes on fire. I'm dropping back. I'm putting my head over here, knowing all the well I'm coming back here so they don't get a minus on Monday in in film. Um, That's the stuff that drove me nuts. When I got to the CFL, I I saw the field really well. Things were a little more spread out, and I was in gun a lot more. And I started looking people off again, like I did in college, you know, moving in a safety with my eyes. Instead of having them dictate to me where I'm going with the ball by coverage, I started moving people with my eyes and coming back and, and kind of making some things. So it was, it was a more instinctive game for me. So, I, it, it just became more fun. You speak about your instincts. I'm going to tell a, a quick 10-second story. So, so Doug comes out uh, to a game in 2019 or 2018. And – this wasn't announced, right? We know we know they're coming back. I believe one of your teams were, uh, yeah, one of your teams were being yeah, honored yeah. at halftime. Twentieth um, anniversary. <laughs> we're we're in the film room. Dave's going over the game plan for the week. Um, Doug just boom opens the door like the Kool Aid Man, like, <laughs> right? Without without breaking stride, 
walks straight up to the front where Dave is explaining the play. He goes, and this is called cross or Ohio. You've got to drag a dig and take on the backside and come back on the front side. And he says, hey, boys, it's pretty easy. Read the mic. The mic drops back. Take your drag. If he attaches to the drag, you're probably taking the dig behind him. If Will attaches that, Mike takes here, check your tail back. If not, safety comes down on the dig, take the post over the top, it's pretty easy. And Dave, everybody's just like, what? <laughs> and, and Dave just goes, and that's why he's Doug Flutie. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so, Doug, you... Yeah, but part of it that, that, that always... But because of my athleticism and running around, and make, there's some highlight real plays, right, where you held on to it forever, you ran around, you did... And those become your signature plays. I really felt... I knew defenses. I knew my protections. I could look, I could read, get through progressions, move people around, do stuff. And, and the X and O end was, I thought, my strength. And then you can fall back on the athleticism and make plays. So it always frustrated me that everybody, oh, he's, he's a scrambler. He just runs around. And my first year in the CFL, I just ran around. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt about that. Hey, Doug, you played on some unbelievable teams here. You know, you had a chance. I know you only won three cups, but you certainly had a chance to win more than that. Only won three cups. Yeah, why? Well, eight he, years. <laughs> he was a six-time. He was a six-time MOP. They could have won more. They were stacked. Every team he was on was, it was great. Six time, and the first year I didn't become the starter till the midpoint of the season when I came up, and then the other year <laughs> should have been I seven. Toward toward that, we're eight and zero in Calgary. Eight and zero, and I tear the tear the tendon in my elbow and have to have surgery. And that opened the door for Jeff Garcia, and Jeff came in and lit it up, and and became a, a great CFL player and a great NFL player. You know, got his opportunity. So those were the two years that that didn't happen. Yeah, I love that. So he should have been eight. That's the best. <laughs> that is awesome. Hey, Doug, uh, who was the best team you're on? Because you played on some stack teams. What was the best football team you're on in the CFL? I'll tell you, the, the Calgary teams might have been the most talented. It, it was really frustrating that we only won one in four years. Because uh, we had a great defense, and we had Pee Wee Smith at wide receiver that ran a four-two-six. He was their little guy. Oh yeah. And then Alan Pitts, who dominated the league in slot, Dave oh, Sapunjus yeah. in slot, who just was crafty and made plays, and Derek Crawford, who was a speed demon, and Carl Bland, who was a route runner. We had so much talent, yeah. and uh, bad weather games got us a couple of times, and all of a sudden we 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 didn't score enough points, and it just that was frustrating to only win one. Um, and yeah. then one of those years I had the torn torn elbow. It's not easy uh, to win two in Calgary, but one guy but, one guy did it. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the Toronto days, oh, we were man. almost as talented, if not just as talented, with a great defense as well. And I'm telling the difference was this. For some reason, in Calgary, the team got tight come playoff time. And, and I, I don't want to blame coaches, but when we were in Toronto, Don Matthews was the head coach. And I love Wally. And I absolutely love Huff as an offensive coordinator. John Huffnagel, has, he taught me more CFL football than anybody. Um, but in Toronto, whatever the way Don Matthews' attitude, his approach, was to deflect all the attention on him and protect the players. And they, you guys just go play. Have fun. Be loose. And he came up to me when I when I first met Don, I had signed my contract, came in, sat down first day of camp. He sat me down in his office and he introduced me to the new offensive coordinator. Actually, it was the second year. Uh, this is your new offensive coordinator, John Jenkins. John, Doug, Doug, John, Doug, this is your team. John, stay the F out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's- and, he, and he said to me, he goes, Doug, if you throw five interceptions, you're going to get a chance to throw six because you're not coming out. And that was his attitude. God, and do it, I love it, that. You know? So you talk, it, you talk about the great receivers you played with on those teams. I know you got to play with your brother. You mentioned Alan Pitts. I remember those days. That was tough being a Ryder fan watching that. Just getting slayed by Doug in the stamps. Who, uh, who's the best receiver you played for in the CFL, played with in the CFL? Oh my That's, goodness! I know it's tough, dude. Um, I know because you don't want you, know, you don't want to break other guys' hearts, but you get. I know you don't, but just from a sheer number standpoint and a taking over the game standpoint, it has to be Allen Pitts. Oh yeah, because oh, yeah. you know, in the slot, first of all, slot receivers have such an advantage to dominate that game. Yep. Um, but he was a big, lanky guy that could actually run pretty well, and. It was just, he was always open by body leverage. He was just, if he's got the guy on his hip, throw the ball there and he'll get it. And he had strong hands, his reach, he'd go out and, and uh, he just had a feel. And <laughs> I will say this about Al, he usually dropped the ball early in the game and it pissed him off. And then, he had a, then he'd have a great game. Um, the biggest thrill for me though, was playing eight games at the end of the season when my brother, he got released by Arizona Cardinals in his third year in the NFL and came up. And we played eight games together in British Columbia, and he had almost 900 yards in eight games. And we just had a blast playing together. But then I came over, signed with Calgary, and we never got a chance to do that again. Man, how great is that? I got to I got to play with my brother in college. So uh, so I, I transferred from SMU over to Eastern. My brother comes mm-hmm. with me. He's actually older, but he comes with me. Um, two receivers, like you say, taking advantage of the opportunity. Two receivers get hurt. We get to play one game together. Cal Poly, um, he catches the game-winning touchdown. And then catches the two point conversion to win the game, and he had 100, 190 yards. And it's just like it's like we gave our ball, our dad, the game ball. Like it's just a great feeling to be able to play with your brother and get out there and do something like that. Special. We were we were playing we were playing Hamilton in British Columbia, and one of our stud receivers was out for the game, uh, Ray Alexander. Um, we had a two slot backs. One broke his jaw. One separated his shoulder. My brother had been there for three weeks. He had just come up, barely knew the offense. He was the only healthy receiver we had. We had defensive back running routes. We had running backs running routes. Oof. And I just started throwing to Darren. And we were doing, it was like being in the backyard. We'd look at the coverage, do a hand signal, and he'd run a route. He was getting bracketed every play. He still, yes. had over, he still had over 200 yards and three touchdowns. Oh, it was like, it, that was the most fun I've ever had playing football. I love it. Oh, that's when you got that mutual connection from you growing up playing elementary school, high school, just like eye contact or a hand signal. Yeah. You're like, okay, I know yeah. what you're going to do here. He had a slant route called, right? And he's in the slot to the right. And it was kind of a flat coverage. It looked like a cover zero, but it, it wasn't. There was a guy, the safety, it was cover zero, but they were bracketing Darren. They had the safety and the, the halfback on him doubled. I just looked at Darren. He saw no one over the top. He tugged his jersey for a double move, ran a slant and go, 40-yard touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Backyard you know, football, baby. Backyard football. So, Doug, you leave You leave the CFL. It was getting boring for you. You win your last two great cups last year. And you're like, okay, I'm getting a bit bored here. Uh, you're 36. Nobody goes to the NFL when they're 36. No. Doug, you- I tried at 28, and they told me I was too old. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's the part that kills me. You know, it's like I came and I was an athletic quarterback and I'm running around and making plays and they're like, oh my God, he's so athletic. I'm like, nobody got to see the eight years playing in Canada where I was at the peak of my athleticism, you know, where I get to really run around and 
now I'm 35, 36 years old. I'm an old man already. Oh, you're- I remember being 32 years old. We were playing Winnipeg in Calgary, and I had a ridiculous scramble. Took off for a 50-something yard touchdown, and a DB was chasing me the last 15 yards, and I, I'm piano getting on my back, but I make it. I get to the – and he comes up, puts his arm around, and I go, I'm getting too old for this shit. Right. At 30, 32. I'm 32. Plays another 11 and, years. Yeah. Oh. So, wait, but when you went to Buffalo, you certainly didn't look like you slowed down. You were a pro bowler. I remember you lighting it up down there. I have a beef about this that I need to talk to you about. So, when you went down to Buffalo, I don't know if you felt it, but I can speak like you were the one guy, like we were, I grew up in Regina, so we were massive Ryder fans. That was the only thing to do in Saskatchewan, right? So, we packed all the games. You know, we'd, we'd go watch. When you went down to Buffalo, you didn't just have the Argo fans, the Stamp fans, the Lions fans cheering for you. It felt to me, because I know for me and my good friends, we all cheered for Doug Flutie in Buffalo. It was almost like you were representing the CFL. You were representing our brand of football. We were so proud for a guy to go down, light it up, Pro Bowl. We were just like every Sunday, like I'm a Steeler fan by trade. My dad's a Steeler fan. But every time the Bills were playing and Flutie was playing, we were like, boys, let's go. Turn it on. Flutie's on. And it was just a show. And we loved it. And you were very successful. So that was great to see. And then... Yeah, I felt that too. I could you, feel like... Because every time I talk to Canadian fans or, or people that I get back in touch, it was a, it was a cool feeling how, having that support behind me from up north. Yeah, that's great. I wanted to know if you felt that too. But then, then this, this debacle happens with the playoff game with Rob Johnson. And whether Rob Johnson deserves it or not, I don't even know if you like him. He's fucking hated up here. Canada <laughs> hates Rob Johnson. <laughs> Right, like I, he he didn't do nothing wrong. He just got told he was playing. He's a hated man up here. But like that whole thing going down, I remember being a big Bills fan those years. You guys are rolling. You're going into the playoffs. I literally remember the game. We're sitting there with my cousins, our football buddies, and when they said Rob Johnson was starting, this is how ruthless we were. We're like, we're cheering for the Titans. Screw this. So we were on the Titans, and then when they you guys were winning the game late, you know, and they had the Music City Miracle and threw it back. We were all cheering. We're like, screw it. Screw Rob Johnson. Screw the Bills. That's how that's how uh, devoted we were to you lighting it up in Canada and going down south. So I just wanted to know if um, you were feeling that love from Canada because I know up here we were we were digging it. Absolutely. And I, it, it's, it's really cool. And I knew that was kind of the way because I played in three different cities and I talked to people all the time that, that were up there. Um, that whole thing, I still felt... We were a darn good football team. We had a great defense, and we were we were winning, running the ball, and then me doing my thing, right? And um, we wind up losing in the way we lost. But I really felt like if we can just win this game and keep moving forward, I'm going to be back in there. It's going to happen. Something, you know, whether it's coming in in the fourth quarter, whether it's due to injury, whatever it is, I still had that feeling like – Maybe this will be a blessing. I can rest up. I'll be 100% healthy and feel great if I, if I got to get back on the field. And it's going to, ha- you know, I didn't like it, but I thought this was going to work out. And then that Music City miracle happened, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, it was retribution for, for my Hail Mary back in college, I guess. Had one happen to me. That still hits the highlight reel. How about every time there's a every time. CFL Hail Mary <laughs> College Hail Mary, and if it doesn't matter, the next week is the the top ten Hail Marys, and yours is always still number one to this day. You always see it; it's awesome. But you know, I, I and I see Aaron Rodgers uh, out uh, Tahoe's coming up in a couple of weeks. He Aaron Rodgers is making it obsolete. He like completes them every other weekend. 
You know, these guys, I don't know if it's because of the rules defensively that they don't bump and bang or they're going to get called and all that stuff, but a lot more Hail Marys are getting completed now, and it's just turning into a joke that the, a big part of it is the athleticism of these receivers going up and getting the ball. But, um, you know, it's funny, all the balls that have been completed, and I think the, I think what made ours as big a deal as it did was it was national TV, Thanksgiving weekend, a game to watch, little guy versus Miami, the big, you know, big bad boys of college football, all the, everything that went into that and uh, made it bigger than life. Man, okay, so right now, this is what I see. So I've, I've watched a lot of your film, okay? I've seen the plays where, um, you know, Dave tries to tell me to run the ball. Um, I, don't, I might actually hold a record that you don't hold. I've only run. I, I played all eighteen coming games. Back, I'm coming out of retirement. We're announcing. <laughs> well, you yeah. you don't you don't, want, you don't want this record. I played all oh. I played all eighteen games and only passed the line of scrimmage twice. Oh Jesus! Oh, that's God. hard. It's hard to do. How, how do you how do you do that, especially in the CFL? This guy right here. Oh baby. my oh, God! My <laughs> but see, this was and talk to Huff. I I came up for that game. Yeah. And it came down to a third and one. And you got into a double tight end set and tried to hammer the ball and got stuffed on a short yardage play. And it wound up costing the game. Yeah. And uh, I walked up into the office with Huff afterwards. He turns to me, he goes, don't even say it. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> spread, spread stack, right? So we used to do yeah. empty set, yeah, stack spread receivers for wide street, And then I just pick a gap and run. And if they went cover zero and covered all gaps, you throw it out there. It's a freaking touch. You know, he'll make somebody miss and go. And we, we, our, that was our short yardage offense. And I had a 50 yard touchdown run on quarterback sneak, a 35, you know, I had all these long runs on quarterback sneak because they try to cover every gap and cover down and you split the line of scrimmage, you're gone. So just, just from that alone, you should cross the line of scrimmage 20 times. Bo, Bo's, uh, Bo's going to run sprints after this show today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Start running my 50s. Hey, so I, I remember a play. Backside B gap, you run through. So just to set it up for for the fans, uh, there's a corner on a hang route or a receiver on the outside receiver on a hang route, which is like a six yard hitch. Um, he's got two guys going vertical. Doug reads the front side, goes backside B gap. He's running. He never once, you never once look at this guy. You're sprinting up the right side of the field. His corner comes in to tackle you without looking. You pitch the ball out to him. And to this day, I've been trying. To make that happen, don't do it. <laughs> and one time, I finally did it, and I look out to pitch the ball, and the guy's just sprinting up the field to go block. And I'm like, no, how? I, that, that's Doug Flutie to me. When I watch this film, I'm like, I don't understand how he does it. They, they got to know. They got to know your personality. That exactly. Like to stay alive. We um, we're playing in Hamilton, and uh, God, I don't know if it was. I think it might have been British Columbia, and we're playing in Hamilton, and we've got the game wrapped up. Field goal ices it. Under a minute to go, uh, we're up by, say, a touchdown. So all we really need is the field goal. We're about plus 30. And I get in the huddle, and I, go, I, I, tell, I made a big deal about it. Protect the football. Protect the ball. Cover up. No fumbles. We're in field goal range. Protect the ball. I'm calling a pass play. If I don't like it, I'll hang, I'll hang on to it, whatever. So pass play, I drop back. See parts. I come up through, dart to the right. Corner flashes, sidearm it out there to, to – it was actually a running back this time. Sidearm it to him, boom, 45-yard touchdown. <laughs> and I, I couldn't help myself. That's what I did. You know, I, I just spent 15 seconds in the huddle telling everybody to protect the football. <laughs> okay? 
just, and then it's just an instinctive the, the, thing that the you playmaker want to just comes out. Man, yeah. I mean, you, you look at you look at Patrick Mahomes today, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson. What they do now is celebrated, and I've seen all your film in the CFL, and I'm like, man, do they not realize that what Pat Mahomes with this you know scrambling nine different ways. Doug did this 20 years ago. Doug never would have been to, Doug. You, we never would have got to see you in the CFL if, yeah. if the game was changed hey, like back then. You Cause you never Boston, would have made yeah. it. If you came out of Boston you college today, are you a first round pick? What was that? If you come out uh, of Boston college today, are you a first round pick? I think so. <laughs> you know, they were talking back then. They were talking back then. Buffalo was talking about taking me in the first round, Atlanta, maybe the third round, but there were, I mean, there was real iffy, right? Yeah. So I had an offer from the USFL. Donald Trump was my owner. Where's my USFL ball? This is actually USFL football. Look at that. Oh, there uh, you go. Donald Trump was my owner. And I signed a big deal because I didn't want to take the risk. They wind up drafting Bruce Smith. I think they made the right decision, uh, Buffalo. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, it just, you know, it, it's fun to talk about all that. But you know what Mahomes does? And, and Huff and I used to talk about this because he saw me doing it. He's like, what are you doing with I would drift away from the rush and Matt Dunnigan wants to smack me every time he sees me because he, he's like, all you did was backpedal until you wanted to throw it and then threw. But I drifted away from the rush a lot to keep that space for vision. And I could throw off balance or off my back foot and wheel, especially if you're throwing like a corner route or something over the top. Oh, yeah. I'd buy that extra second or so rather than having to throw something hot and throw the quick slant or, or set yourself and gun it. If it's an all-out blitz, if I can hang on to it for an extra half a second drifting, now that slant doesn't have to be a slant. It can be a go route. It can be a fade route. It can be an inside fade or corner route, anything. And we could throw that because I could throw drifting away against an unblocked man. And so Huff used to I, – I caught Huff one day in practice. He was out there early trying to trying to do it, trying to drift away and throw sidearm falling on <laughs> 45-year-old Huff. Oh man. Okay, so I do have. I, at, speaking of these rookie quarterbacks, I do have to ask you um, a lot. We, ben and I have talked about it on a previous episode, but these rookie quarterbacks right now: Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Mac Jones. Uh, you know, Lawrence, obviously. Uh, who do you see dominating in their first year the way that Justin Herbert did? Um, I know you've been watching a lot of college football, helping I'll out Notre Dame. Trevor, Trevor is legit. Is he? I haven't seen him in person yet. Have you seen him in person? He was a freshman. I've, I've seen all his playoff games okay. in person. Um, and he was a freshman. And he was, it was the, I think it was playing against Notre Dame. Um, he hit a backside post. And I, I'm sitting above and I'm watching down. And I'm looking at coverage. And, you know, you, as a quarterback, you look at coverage and it kind of takes you to an area of the field where the ball should be going. And he throws this post route. I have no idea how he got to it. But it was the right read. The safety was low on that side. It looked to me like it was a weak side rotation, but it wasn't. And I'm like, this kid knows what he's doing. Like he's reading. That was as a freshman. And then he played the Ohio State game that he won in a gutty, tough performance where he got the crap kicked out of him. And he ended up on a 60 something yard touchdown run that basically won the game. He's been injured and banged up. And, come, and Justin Fields proved that last year. So if, if you had to pick a guy, I'd say Trevor Lawrence. I like the fit of uh, Mac Jones in New England long term. Yep. I really like that. Yep. Man, well, I get, I tell you what, man, I can I can sit here and probably uh Yeah, we could talk football all day. I have I have an entire uh, full page of notes that I still want to ask you other questions, but uh 
Uh, man, thank you so much, Doug. I can't believe it. I, I, I need to call you after this and just talk more stuff because I do have a lot of questions. Um, but thank you so much, man. I mean, you are the legend. You are the GOAT. Awesome. A lot of fun. A lot of fun talking CFL mm -hmm. days. I love love my days there. Calgary was so much fun. I love Huff and Dickie and uh, good luck. And yeah, Doug, if you, if you happen to get up to Canada for a game this year, we, we'll see if we can get you a ticket, see if we can get you in the building. <laughs> All right. I, uh, you know what? Yeah. I can't, I know how to sneak in. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Okay, Doug, thanks for your time, buddy. You thanks. take care. Thanks, Luke. All right, take care, guys. Appreciate it, See brother. Oh, man. I mean, it, it doesn't, it just doesn't get better than that. Like, listen, so he's talking these NFL rookie QBs, right? So, oh, by the way, um, the I, I was on DraftKings.com. The NFL future bets are already up. For the rookie QBs? Yes. For all, well, for the game. So all the games are up there. Hey, so make sure you jump on, jump on DraftKings.com. Um, go sign up, use Benny and Bo for the promo code, but go put those NFL future bets in because they're up. I can't believe how early they're, early they're up. I've already been putting them in. And while you're there, don't forget NBA playoffs is going on right now. $20,000 cold hard cash. It's there. It's free. Go get it. Sign up. Um, eligibility restrictions, uh, apply. See DraftKings.com for details, but Hey, I'm telling you right now, you don't want to miss out on these NBA playoffs because I've been on there looking at some of these bets. There's action. There's action, and they are teasing. They 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 got on their Instagram. So I follow DraftKings, obviously. I got on their Instagram, and they said, "You know what? We're getting complaints about people saying we're not teasing the right bets. So we're giving you the option." They put out the Suns, the Hawks, and said, "Which one do you want teased?" Oh, I love it. How good is that? Let's get into it, baby. Let's do it. Okay, okay so what do we? Okay, so we call this segment Donation Station, right? Not pro gamblers. Well, you're not a pro gambler. I've been donating. So do you want to? So last week we made a few uh, U.S. Open bets. I, golf. I know. I get. I gave you flack. I get. So go ahead and pump the tires here. I, I'm talking to Mike Commodore. I'm talking to to my man Bo about the U.S. Open. They're grilling me for taking the favorite. I took John Rahm because of the COVID situation. I wasn't necessarily. I didn't even really know he was the favorite. He'd never won a major, so it kind of surprised me he was the favorite. You guys chirped me. One of us has twelve hundred in the jeans. <laughs> If you've been betting with Benny, uh, you definitely hit on that one. Uh, we did give him a lot of flack. And not only that, I I got to be honest. Whenever I look at bets, I skip the favorite every time, especially in golf. Like, golf is really hard to pick. Yeah, favorites win, like, never. I know. and I mean, unless you're Tiger. But, uh, yes, exactly. And, we go and back I, to I just, like, I saw, I saw John Rahm there, and I, I completely, you know, it's not that I disagree with you. It's just, like, as soon as I saw he was a favorite, I was like, oh, okay, no, I can't pick that. So, this week... I think we're going to try to nail a couple more long-termers. Like we got, so we got Wimbledon coming up. I want to talk about Wimbledon. Obviously the NBA, like we just talked about finals are coming up. NHL finals are coming up. We're going to hit that too. Here's where I'm starting this week. Wimbledon's coming up. I was watching the French. I took Naomi. She took some time. She's still taking time. She's still good. not playing. Good. Yeah. Good for her. There's a couple other players I saw that were injured at the French. I'm going like back here, you know, Tiger's last major victory. Oh, I, love, I love I love Serena Williams. I've always been a huge fan of hers. Just the way she's dominated the ladies game for so long. And she has 23 majors. She is her best on grass. She, yep. she actually had a good chance to win the French. Yep. When I saw the top seeds all dropping, I was like, oh my God, Serena's going to do it. You know, and then she got upset. I think if Serena is ever going to win another major. This is it. It has to be soon. Like she's 39, you know, she's at the twilight here, but she's amazing at Wimbledon. She's made the last four championship Saturdays at Wimbledon. How old is she? 39. Oh, she's still got, no, 
39 is young and curling, but I don't know about tennis. They're showing you, baby. We can do it late. Look at Doug retiring at 43. That's right. So I'm taking Serena Williams. And guess what? Hey, not popular because I actually looked at the odds this time. She's the favorite. Oh. I know, but that's Bench that was taking another favorite. I'm taking the favorite. I'm taking Serena Williams to win Wimbledon. Lock that in. Plus 550. 100 bucks pays you 550. You can add that on to the 1200 I won you two I, weeks ago. I feel like. <laughs> Oh god! I feel like you just like the uh, the easy out. Like, oh, I'm taking the favorite. If he doesn't win, like, oh, but he was the favorite. Like, we were sitting together doing the odds. I said, I'm taking Serena, and then I looked and like, oh, look, she's the favorite. And you puked in your mouth, but that's what I'm doing. Serena Williams plus five fifty to win. Okay, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna go. Uh, I, I spoke about the NFL bets, so I actually I dabbled a little bit. I love it. So is this one paying off right away? No, it's not. But uh, I do love this bet. So I went with all the rookie QBs first games. Now, here's the thing. Do we know for a fact that they're all starting? No, we don't. But uh, I'm going to give you the four games that I do like here um, and and just kind of have a little bit of fun with it. So we've got Jets, Panthers. Okay, you got Zach Wilson there. You got Dolphins Pass. You got Mac Jones. You got Jaguars. You got Trevor Lawrence versus the Texans. Uh, and then you got the Bears and the Rams. You got Justin Fields there. Okay, so those, those top four guys. Um, I'm parlaying all four. Every single one of those odds right now are at minus 109. So we're going to parlay all four of them for a plus 1240. Are you taking all the rookies? No. 100, 100 is going to pay you 1340 here. So Jets at Panthers. Um, Sam Donald going to the Panthers, playing, playing his, his old, old team. team. They draft a QB. Um, but I like, I like Zach Wilson a lot. And not only that, the Jets defense was amazing last year. Okay. I don't. All right. That's fine. So I'm taking the Jets plus four. Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. That's yep. okay. I'm taking the Jets plus four right here. Uh, Dolphins at Pats. Pats are minus two. I'm hoping Matt Jones starts. I don't know if he will right away, uh, being a Bill Belichick coach team. I know you like Cam. Um, Cam's a little bit over over the, uh, I'm not going to say over the hill, but let's just say the, the arm injury is, has taken its toll. So I'm taking the Pats. The so Jets, Pats. Jaguars over Texans. Sorry, Texans. You're my hometown team. I love you to death. Uh, you get no chance here. Uh, minus two and a half. Taking the Jaguars. Jaguars are favored, by the way. Um, and then Bears Rams this is the only one I'm not taking the rookie QB. I love Justin Fields in Chicago. I think he fits Chicago. Matt Stafford, but Matt Stafford in yeah, LA with Cooper Cup, my boy from Eastern Washington. Go Eags! Let's get it. Minus seven. I'm taking the Rams there. So we're going Jets, Pats, Jaguars, Rams. Hunter's going to pay you thirteen forty. So we got a Wimbledon pick. We got a four game parlay for the week one of the NFL. Let's we're hitting go. you early. Hey guys, get them while the NFL, odds are good. When the NFL bets come up. Let's get ready. Boy. I had I had a had a year last year. It's going to be fun. And what do you what else are you dabbling with to finish off here? Uh, going so, NBA. So I am going to go NBA. I'm going to jump first before we pick our winner. I do want to go uh, a little bit of a stat here with the Hawks and the Bucks. Okay. Okay. Um, so the Hawks the Hawks lost again. They're down one two. But here's the three games. And I told you I I know I always tell you guys this. So if you're making a bet and you're looking for something to add a little bit of odds to kind of up that uh, those odds a little bit on your parlay, here's my lock of the week. Um, Hawks Bucks over under two twenty point five. Okay, game one went 229, game two went 216, game three went 215. Both games the Bucks have won are, are going have gone under 220. They've actually gone 10 points under the over-under. Um, so I'm gonna lock of the week, go with the under on that. So add that to whatever parlay you want. Uh 220 and a half. I'm going with the under, lock it into whatever parlay you got. As you speak of the Bucks, I am taking the Milwaukee Bucks to win the Larry OB. Are you? Yeah, they're gonna win the whole thing. I just think that they're uh they're veteran. They seem very um, experienced, like they've been there before. That's who the Raptors knocked off. They kind of been knocking on the door here for a few years. 
Uh, Giannis just seems like too much of a beast, and he's got an unbelievable supporting cast. I don't see anybody. I mean, hey, the Suns look great. I actually yeah, thought. Hold on now. Hold on. I mean, you're talking about vets. Chris I'm, Paul is the vet. The ultimate vet. The Suns are going to take it. The Suns are taking this down. You got the Suns taking the whole thing? I do. Bucks pay Bucks pay even money plus 100. The Suns, the Suns pay plus 140 to win the whole thing right now. I'm taking the Suns, baby. So I, I want Chris Paul to get his championship. I think a lot of people were, were talking down on him for going to the Phoenix, you know, talking about that team. That team's looked amazing. Uh, if you see the starting roster, there's not a lot of gigantic names there. But uh, I love that team. I think they're going to do it. Devin Booker's looking pretty good. Heck yeah. Yeah, the no. Shield. Sun looks, Suns look nasty, but I just think uh, the experience of the, the Bucks is going to take it down. You're on the Suns. I'm on the Bucks NBA. Enough of this amateur talk. Yeah, don't listen to us. Yeah, don't listen to us. Listen to this. Let's get it, baby. All right. Our NBA picks are in for Donation Station. Time to find out if we've missed the boat completely or if maybe we were on a little bit. Um, I'm so thrilled to welcome into the show a guy that I'm a huge fan of, six-time NBA All-Star. All right, loved by every Canadian, number seven from your Toronto Raptors. Here he is, Kyle Lowry. What's up, guys? How you guys doing? We're doing great, Kyle. Welcome to the show, buddy. Really appreciate it. Oh, man, it's my pleasure. I can't wait to be on the show. So, uh, you guys are pretty awesome. I did a little bit of research on you guys, and I see you got a good, fun show. So, I'm glad to be on it. I like that. Hey, we're going to throw you to the fire right out of the gates here. We got, we're down to the final four, final four in the NBA. You know a thing or two about uh, winning that Larry OB. Who are you... Yeah. Uh, who are you liking here? Who's going to be hoisting the trophy at the end of the season here? Um, I don't like any of them, just so you guys know. Uh, <laughs> there is no me liking anyone. But, um, you know, as, as a fan of basketball, I just appreciate a good game, and I, I can appreciate a good series. And um, honestly, Phoenix is playing extremely well. Um, you know, they're, they're looking like, you know, the favorites right now. I mean, obviously up 3-1, but anything can happen, and that's not just me being like, you know, going with a safe pick. I just think they've been playing extremely well. Um, out of the East, you know, I, I, Trey Young is playing out of his mind, right? He's just playing so good, and they got one at home. They got one on the road, and, and, and the series doesn't start until a team wins one on the road, and I think <sighs> that series is tough to pick, but, you know, I think with the, the veteran presence of, you know, P.J. Tucker and Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and, and Giannis being out there, Brooke, I think the veteran, you know, presence may come together um, quicker than, uh, you know, the Atlanta. Those guys are still, you know, young and, and figuring things out. Maybe, you know, they have some veterans. Uh, so, But I'm going to go with the Phoenix-Milwaukee's final. Ooh, I like it. Hey, I took the Hawks, so betters, if you're listening, I trust that guy instead of myself. Um, hey, there's been some. Hey, you can't no wrong, no wrong choice here. If you if you want to choose <laughs> anybody, nobody, then we just say nobody wins. <laughs> I'm just happy. I'm just happy you went with those two because I took the Bucks and he took the Suns, so we're we're maybe getting to the final. Yeah, I like that. Hey, we'll figure it out. Hey, so let me let me ask you. Um, you know, rightfully so, Canada has adopted you as one of their own. Uh, the amazing thing you've done here, just like our previous guest, Doug Flutie. Um, there's been some amazing talent, Canadian-born talent, uh, coming out playing in the NBA and not only just making it there, but now they're starting to really shine. Uh, what Canadian-born NBA players right now do you see that are really, really coming up? To be honest with you, Jamal Murray, man, he's... Um, oh, yeah. He, he He's probably... He's unbelievable. He's playing his butt off and, like, you know I mean, realistically, like, he's just coming to his own. He's very, you know, he's very just, like, competitive, right? And we got a chance to play against him, like, this year in, in Tampa, and we were just we were winning and beating him and he's just like being ultra competitive, but his talent is it's, it's through the roof, right? He's just a talented kid, right? And then you got a guy, you know, Chris Boucher who started basketball so late, 
but he's just, you know, his, his hustle, his energy, his level of just going out there and playing, his ability to run the floor um, is it, just great. But I think, you know, to be honest, my personally, personally, like, I'm a big uh, Jamal Murray fan. He's, he's just, he's that guy right now. I like that. He looks like he's going to be nasty for years to come to. He was my guy, too. And we were talking about before the show, I'm like, Jamal Murray's looking pretty dirty out there. Oh, yeah. I, I like him a lot. Hey, I'm a, I'm a big R.J. Barrett fan. I like R.J. as yeah. well. Yeah, RJ, RJ's going to get there. You know, he's still young and he's and he handled himself very well being in New York, right? And, and being in the garden is not an easy place to play. And he's handled himself extremely well. Um, he's only, what, 21, 20 years old. Oh, so yeah. we got a long way to go to continue to get better. Kyle, you got your hands in a bunch of businesses. I watched your show with uh, Vinay on Uninterrupted Canada, Needin' yeah. Dough. You know, a smart guy with your money, but you got another business coming up here right away. NFT, you're keeping it super Canadian. It's called Through My yeah. Eyes. For guys yeah. that don't know what NFTs are all about, like me and Bo, and the rest of us in Canada, hit, hit, hit us with some of that and, and everything else you're doing with that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, NFTs is kind of one of the things where it's, it's a new technology, right? And I've, the crypto, you know, world, the block world, blockchain world is kind of something that we're all just kind of just starting to figure out a little bit more. And, you know, yeah, you know, Bitcoin and all that stuff has been out for a while, but the NFTs is something where you can have it, right? You, you can have it and you can relive these moments over and over and over on your phone. And, you know, you can, it's like the trading card, right? And, you know, with NBA Top Shot, you can trade this highlight and that highlight. And it's just all through your phone. And with the way our world is, our technology is now, you know, instead of having to find your, you know, back in the day, you had the cards, you had to put in the plastic and you keep it all nice and neat and minted and all that stuff. Now you can have it on your phone. And it's, you just can't lose your phone. <laughs> so, um, but there's something that that space is just different, right? It's a different world. It's the, the technology that is goes into this, you know, this space is just next level. And it will, it's just going to continue to grow. And, and how do we, you know, how do you as an individual continue to grow with the times and, and kind of mold with the times and, and continue to, you know, become a, a, a learn about it and, and, and use it to, you know, your successes. And also, you know, for me, it was about the opportunity to give back to the fans, give them opportunity to relive a moment, you know, that was the, the largest public gathering in Canadian history. And they can relive that moment the way I, I personally try to relive the moments. Yeah. So then, so explained uh, everybody what we're doing here. So basically you're you're putting out a lower price point than most celebrities. Cause I have I have seen and I, I I respect you very much for it. I've seen a lot of the prices guys are putting these at uh, and trying to grab some money. But you're putting this towards the foundation. You're making a lower price yeah. point so everybody in Canada can get around this. Um, explain that part of it. Yeah, so we're doing seven of them, right? We're doing we're doing seven of them, but we we wanted to make sure that we had one that was just able to just the fans just be able to get it because I wouldn't be here without my fans and and we wouldn't be I wouldn't be able to do the things I'm doing without my fans um the price point is you know we want just people to be able to be a part of it right it's not a money grab for me it's not about the money it's about us being able to relive the moment together and be able to oh, yeah. live, relive that moment of time that we kind of created together three four million two three four million people together pre-covid right pre-covid is you know it's non-existent but that time it don't matter your race your height your skin your 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 age everyone was together no one cared about anything and that's why this thing was just like let's do it and, and bring everyone together and have everyone have an opportunity to get it yeah we have one that's a rarity it's one of one that's going to be auctioned off but we really wanted to be able to have fans and, and, and people to hey i'm a part of this i was a part of it i want to relive it let's relive it this moment together I love that, man. Speaking of sports, bringing people together, I do hear you're a bit of a golfer. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah like, okay. Well, like okay. Well, I'm not going to hit you with, you know, making you tell me what your handicap is or anything like that. But I do want to know if you got to go to Augusta, who are you taking as your foursome to Augusta National? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to take my guy, Dave Distin, my high school coach, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I, yeah, my high school coach. I always got to keep it. I got to keep it, honey. And then I, I got to take my guy. Uh, Sherman Hamilton, you guys know him. You know he's he's one of my golf buddies, a good friend of mine. Um, and, and my last guy, I don't know whoever pays the most. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if you're gonna throw Demar out there or not. That'd be a good. Yeah, uh, Demar, Demar, yeah, we 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 gonna we're not gonna waste Augusta time with Demar on the course right there. We're not gonna do that to Augusta. <laughs> Kyle, do you get to play much golf up north in Canada, or mostly when you're back home, or where do you uh, where do you play most of your golf? When the weather's nice, I play in uh, Canada. Um, I was a member of the course of Goodwood. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I play. Uh, um, dang, what is the club? Uh, Creek Club um, up there, and um, that was actually named, but that's my courses up there. I, I love golf in Canada. I mean, you know, all winter you get snow, so all the fairways and the greens are unbelievable. And the, 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 the ground screws keep those courses in great shape. You're spoiled in Toronto. They got they got the best golf in Canada for sure. They got some yeah, mint spots yeah. out there. I gotta get the I gotta get the PEI go out there, the, the cabin links and all that. I, I still haven't done that yet. So I yeah. gotta get out there. Yeah, we want to we wanna get out there. Hey, so I'm talking to one of my buddies, biggest Raptors fan in Canada. He's huge. Went out to your guys' games when you're in the finals. He says, you got to ask Kyle. He's sacrificing his body. He's taking more charges than anyone in the damn league. When he's planting and someone's driving to the lane, who is he cringing when that person's coming? Who's the one guy that you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I got to take this charge in the NBA? Nobody. <laughs> my man. I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. It. Because you, you at that moment you don't you're not like thinking about it. You're just like, all right, let me get to the spot and I can help my team. There's not one person that I fear on the basketball floor, especially if they're coming to run me over. Like I'm gonna protect myself. I'm I'm gonna brace myself and I'm gonna get hit and I'm gonna take it and then we're gonna get the turnover and then we're gonna go do our job. That's why this guy's the champion leader. I fucking love it. That's <laughs> love a great it. answer. I, I believe I'm you, serious, but though. there's like one percent of me where because I know that when I'm standing in the pocket, I'm about to let one go. There's not many people I care about, but if Aaron Donald was running through my soul and I had to let a ball go, hey, I might. You know why? You know what? I don't play football. Yes, that's sir. why I, it's, it's a difference. That's why I don't play football. Because if Aaron Donald was running at me on the football field, I would feel the same way. But on the basketball <laughs> floor, I'm di- it's a completely different uh, a game. All right. So uh, we'd be absolutely crazy not to ask. You know, we're super blessed to have you on the show. Um, yeah. But every fan out there wants to know. I know you're an unrestricted free agent. I'm not going to yep. make you sit here and tell me where, where you want to go. Um, <laughs> but I will ask because it's something that I would like to know myself is explain the difference of the business side of free agency and that personal side of it. Yeah. So free agency is, you know, people would think it's pretty cool, right? It's not. It's very <laughs> difficult. It's very, I've been a free agent. This would be my fourth time now. And, you know, once was unrestricted and the other three were the other two. And then this one would be unrestricted. Uh, you know, when it comes down to free agency, you have to pick and choose where you want to be, right? Where you want your family to be, where you got to, you know, where you feel is best for your personal situation, your personal growth. But also, you know, you, you, you got to feel where is the best place for you mentally and where you want to be and, and how you feel about that place. The business side of it is simple as, you know, how much money is this, this team paying? How many years is this team paying? Um, you know, what's the, what's the sacrifices that you have to do with this or the sacrifices of that? Um, 
that's the business. The business is pretty straightforward is, you know, money and years, but the personal aspects of it is, you know, how long you're going to be there, you know, what's the situation, you know, however you, who knows how different people feel about where they want to be. Uh, for me, you know, I was in, I was lucky and fortunate enough to want to be in the same situation over and over for the last couple of times. And it worked out, the, it worked out for the best. So transparency is, is very, um, it's cool, but it's stressful. It's very cool and you get to pick and choose, but it's, it, it's a lot that goes on with that. Um, personally, like I, I've been fortunate enough where I'm not even thinking about it now. You know, I've had my time where I thought about it and, you know, all the stuff is going. But right now it's more about, you know, enjoying my time with my kids and playing golf and, you know, keeping my body right and, and, and getting ready to prepare myself for the next NBA season. I love it. Kyle, well, we really appreciate that. And as a Canadian, obviously, I'm I'm hopeful that you stick around. I don't know if you can see my jersey behind my shoulder here. Yeah, I do. It's, a, it's hey. the best jersey. Well, you know what? You you got an AI jersey up there. so you We do. We got AI. You know what's also right there? Somebody that can use a point guard. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I seen it. Is that a, yeah. Is that a rod You got an A-Rod jersey down there, too. Good yeah, A-Rod. I got a signed A-Rod jersey, so my husband, hey, well, might need to have you help us get him on the show. That's right. That's yeah, right. <laughs> you, yeah, I don't know if I got that pull, but yeah, we could try. <laughs> yeah, we really appreciate it. I wish you nothing but the best in free agency. If you come back to Canada, we'd love it. But we wish you all the best uh, anywhere you end up. I know you're you're on a time crunch. We appreciate you coming on the show. We hope to get you on uh, in the future sometime. All the best with your NFTs and everything else, brother. Fellas, thank you guys for the opportunity. Thank you guys for letting me come on your show, talk about my NFTs, and just, just you know, we'll get we'll get it done, and we'll get me back on the show, and we we'll talk some more basketball, football, hockey, curling, whatever y'all want to talk about, golf. We oh, can yeah. do it all. Hey, we'll come out to Toronto. We'll meet you on the golf course, man. We'll definitely Let's do, do that. it. I Let's like that. It. Thanks, all right, Kyle. Kyle take care, man. All right, guys. Oh man, what a show! Oh my god, those two guests downhill from here, boys. Doug Flutie, <laughs> my man, Canadian legend. Thanks to you to Kyle Lowry. That was unbelievable. Huge show for us. Thank you, Uninterrupted Canada, DraftKings, 40 Creek. Check us out, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, anywhere else you get your podcasts. Hey, make sure, go check out Kyle's NFTs, man. Go help him out. It's going to a great cause. Send us some questions, Benny and Boa at uninterrupted.com. Check us out on socials at Benny Heave at Levi Mitchell, man. We'll see you on a couple of weeks. You've been listening to The Benny and Bo Show, a presentation of Uninterrupted Canada.